0: I'm Darren Steele, and this is the Think Queerly podcast, walking a queer path to human heartedness. I'm a writer, a thinker, and a coach, and on this show and in my articles, I help deep thinkers and creatives cultivate their purpose and potential. I believe when we practice critical thought, open-mindedness, humility, impartiality, and acceptance for ourselves and for others, we can foster curiosity, Understanding and respect for the natural diversity of humanity. Now, today is a recast, which means that I'm republishing somebody else's show, but I'm not stealing. No, I was uh, recently in discussion with a good friend and a colleague of mine, Sean Prue, on his show on Sirius XM, The Sean Prue Show. And the name of that entire episode is Rethinking Success and Failure, UFO Secrets, musical guest, Melanie Durant. So there's a link in the show notes if you want to listen to the entire show. But what follows is just my segments, which I'm titling, When You Accept That Success is a Continuous Process, You Can Let Go of Failure as a Moment in Time. So we talk about... An idea that I've brought up on the podcast before, why success and failure are not opposites. And this refers back to two articles I published earlier this year um, about success and failure. The first one being your understanding of the meaning of failure could be the reason for unrealized goals and dreams. And then the second part, success is not the opposite of failure, how this dichotomy enforces self-doubt and shame. So there's not much more for me to say to introduce the show other than we look at things from a different angle than what I originally uh, shared on my podcast for those uh, posts earlier this year. And we talk about essentially this this problem that drives me crazy about why we as a society prioritize success at such An almost vicious level of competitiveness that when you don't succeed, you are therefore a failure. And then if you do fail, that you are somehow a bad Person, And if you've ever felt that way, then this show is definitely for you. And I would highly recommend uh, going to the show notes and downloading my personal evolution process as well, which is called how to define, refine, and realign your failures as as successes. So if you really want to reframe success and failure and look at them in a very truthful way, meaning look at what these words and ideas mean and and what they can mean. I'm not making anything up here, but how you can disassociate from some of the negativity around those concepts and use them to your advantage, to feel more peace of mind, to feel more self acceptance, and just to feel greater freedom. Then listen in. All right. So I hope you enjoy the show. Success versus
1: failure. How do you measure success? How do you measure failure? I uh, was. Uh, just thinking about this as I read the blog posts of one Darren Steele, who's about to join us in a minute. Uh, He's a coach, uh, a blogger, an author. He helps um, successful people become more successful. And uh, he's written three interesting blogs that we're going to go over about success and failure that might help you if you're feeling kind of stuck. And I think a lot of people are these days, especially with COVID, what is success in COVID times? What is failure in COVID times? I um, I w- took to what Darren had written because um, last summer I had uh, si- I signed with a big uh, literary agency here in Canada, and they asked me to do a pro- book proposal and uh, for a memoir that I've been writing. And uh, so I said sure, and then I got a look at uh, the structure of the book proposal and it asks all these questions like. Why you? Why this book? Why now? (laughs) And it completely, and I can write. So to not be able to answer questions like that, to not be able to come up with the words for questions like that um, and, and do a good job made me feel, and I'm almost done it now. I've really plowed through it over the last several months. But for the longest time, I felt like a failure, Good time to bring on Darren Steele and see what he has to say about that. Welcome to the show, Darren.
0: Yeah, you're happy to be here, Sean. So
1: what do you think about that? What What was I doing in my um, self-talk that was all wrong?
0: Well, <laughs> I'll start by saying wrong is relative. Ah, uh, there we go. Yeah, I know. Right um, the that. It, it is... So typical. And I, I love that you open with that story because, you know, it challenges me to have something to uh, to speak to, to, to frame around this idea of um, success and failure. And I think it's just human nature, right? What, what happens to most of us when we get too stressed out is we get into one of our older, more ancient brains. And that could be, you know, what's called your reptilian brain, that the fight, flight, freeze. And that's usually when something is really serious, like you're gonna put your foot out into traffic and suddenly you pull yourself back and you're like because <gasps> you realize, holy crap, I would have been hit by a car. Right. Or your mammalian, your animal brain. And that's about acceptance, connection, and care or what we might call love. And that's belonging, feeling like mm-hmm. someone is caring for you. And conversely feeling like you're giving acceptance to other people. And so it's more the mammalian brain when you're like, what? I have to answer this question about my whole life, this book. I And that's the challenge for a creative. When you're in your own work, you're probably the worst. The worst. You, you can't be objective. You just can't be objective. Yeah. No. And so that's a normal process. So it could be a number of things. And I'll just say this, you know, the, the, the general sort of observation around those feelings is that in in the moment, perhaps you might've taken off more than you could chew. And you might've been giving yourself a lot of external expectations Mm -hmm. about how you were supposed to perform by answering these questions, as opposed to creating agreements with yourself. I'll spend X number of hours per day, so many days per week working on this. And then I'm going to close the damn book.
1: You're right. Uh, Uh, I, I, I was doing a until I decided to do B until I decided to do what am I going to do about this and set time aside every single day before that. I was just trying to come up with the best answers to really weird questions. Why, why me for a memoir? Well, because it's my memoir. <laughs> but one line doesn't suffice in a book proposal. Yeah. Uh, you say on DarrenSteel.com where you house your podcast and, and many wonderful blogs uh, in the first part of, a part of a three-part success and failure uh, series you've done that without clear understanding of the meaning of failure, you might feel like a failure. Well, it's a loaded
0: word. And the way I approached this article series was that it's not that I'm right. I have the only definition of failure. Heaven, no. Um, But there's certainly kinder, more compassionate ways of looking at failure that would still allow us to be type A or be very, like, you know, goal oriented. Nothing wrong with those things. But why we need to add judgment to Failure and success is a really challenging thing, but I, th- I think essentially failure is about just what didn't work out. And, and there's so many different um, dictionary definitions of what failure is and what failure isn't. Like, for example, you could have heart failure. Well, that has nothing to do with a goal, it's just yes. a systematic situation, yes. right? But we have failure in the sense of not accomplishing a goal or not accomplishing a particular action. Like, I make a little joke you have the intention to go to the grocery store and pick up, you know, some milk, you run into a good friend, you chat for half an hour, you realize you're late for a meeting. So then you go back home and you're like, Oh, I failed at my goal to get milk. (laughs) Well, any, any action, any decision we make is essentially a goal because we're going to go do something and complete it. And when we start looking at goals as a bunch of smaller actions that create the task that lead to various projects, especially like a really big goal, like yours, writing a book, Think of it as a series of mistakes like a movie where you got that clapper when they're like, seven, oh, take 12 and you go click and then got a the digital timer. Eight. Right. So and then the director says, well, that was really good. But, you know, could you give me a little bit more sultry? And then they do it again. And they're like, well, I didn't right. like that. Would you give me maybe a little bit more teary eyed? OK, let me see it one more time. And this is like the 20th take. Right. But. What do they get at the end? They finally get the take that they that like, is which perfect. is the accomplishment of that particular piece of the puzzle.
1: We're with coach, thinker, writer, podcaster, Darren Steele right now, and we're talking success and failure here on the Sean Prue Show. Um, I know one of the things that I, I love the missed take. I want to say that so that people uh, listening catch that missed take. Um, I'm going to use that from now on one of the things that got me through um, my, my blockage and feeling like a failure when I was getting this book proposal done was to also just let myself a little off the hook and say at the right time and the right place, this is going to come together. And I have the luxury of time, although I've had an agent banging on my door for months now. Um, I've created the luxury of time. And, and, and is there power in, in taking a broad perspective like that? It calmed me down, but what do you think? Um, is that something that would work for for everybody?
0: Well, I guess it, it, sometimes it depends on the situation. A creative endeavor, it, we would call that a generative process. You're, you're birthing something, you're creating something. So just for one word, generation, um, I find something that's really worked for me is as soon as you start getting really stressed in the generative process, in the creative process, and I'll just add, the last thing you want in the creative process, and if you're in flow state, you're, you're lo- lost, you're not in time, you're just focused, is judgment. And, and judgment is also analysis. And an analysis also is editing. And an editing is also criticism. So as soon as we get into the, that framework, we're, we're not actually being creative anymore. We're not being generative. There's a time and a place to go, okay, now I'm going to look at what I created and I'm going to break it apart to, to refine it so that I'll Mm -hmm. have this better product that I could submit to my publisher. But taking the broader approach is like looking at, well, what are all the variables? So if it's a large goal, like just to say to publish a book, how do you publish a book? Well, you could simply say, I have a a word count goal and I have a deadline. So if I work five days a week or write five days a week, here's how many words I need to write. That's Mm -hmm. pretty simplistic, but it can give you at least a goal. So at the end of the week, it could say, Monday, I only wrote a paragraph. But on Wednesday, I actually wrote two pages in the time allotted and it came out. And by the end of the week, I got my average. And then I allocated times for editing. And then I allocated times for somebody to review my project. Well, you can apply that to uh, creating some sort of a course or a program, all the different parts that have to come together. And you can only, you have to, go to the end point saying where you want to get, then you have to back it off and back it off or, you know, figure out what are all the individual projects and then break down each individual project into smaller tasks, but get a sense of how do they all connect? Is there something I need to do first? Is there something that I could start working on, but it's dependent on something else? You know, writing, writing a memoir is kind of different because you've lived the whole life. So you could decide to write, period of your 20s and then jump to the period of your 40s because I know you haven't gotten much older than that
1: (laughs) I'm 39
0: (laughs) kidding but that is that you know to wrap I mean if we get too focused on the one moment the isolated thing like I didn't produce enough words today well that's going to make it really problem to that's going to make the bigger goal, the bigger picture seem all the more daunting. Cause you're like, how do I get there? So it's this paradox. You do have to be in the moment of the, the singular activity, like write so many words today or write for so much time today. And then know that if you didn't do so well on that project, you can always come back to it the next time. It's a long iterative process doing something like a book or a big project. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
1: Not the book it, right? part, the proposal part.
0: Yeah, um, the, the hard stuff is what challenges you and makes you really look at things from a perspective of, you know, um, through somebody else's eyes. So you can perhaps get some objectivity through your own yes. eyes. Yes. Right.
1: Yes. Talking about the emotionally loaded word failure here um, in the uh, first part of your three-part uh, series of blog posts on success and failure. You um, tell the story of going to do your master's um, overseas and then um, in the end um, decided not to complete it and you had a mentor or an instructor who said some really powerful things to you. I wonder if you would share that with us. Um, sure. Because it was it seems so simple but so correct um, yeah. when she told you what she told you.
0: I think, you know, it goes back to you talking about um, the editor pounding on your door, wanting, you know, results in an outline. Well, you know, at university, I was really helped along by some wonderful uh, professors, mentors, and my advisor, Yuta Koheen. Um, who really believed in me. And she even went out on a limb and believed in me when I came up with a thesis topic that won me a year-long scholarship to work on my master's in Germany. I was at Carleton University in Ottawa. And we also had a discussion that was very open when she said, I will not be able to support you on this topic anymore because I'm not an expert. I would love to, but I'm not an expert. But when you come back, I can work with whoever you find in Germany um, as like a co-advisor kind of thing. Well, long story short, I I couldn't find a way to prove what my thesis was. And that was emotionally wrecking, right? There was the classic, I felt like a failure. I did all this work. I was a year and a half before I got to get to Germany. I thought, oh, this is going to happen. But she, I was really having a bad time uh, having enrolled two semesters after coming back from Germany, trying to do this thing. And I don't remember what I said, but she just looked at me. She said, it's okay if you want to stop. And you shouldn't be doing this work for me. You should be doing this for yourself. And it was like, oh. I think right. if I, I, I might have cried and just wanted to hug her because I so wanted to make her proud of me. Yes. But that, that wasn't the point.
1: It wasn't the point, but it's—it was a, a sort of a breakthrough moment, I think, yeah. um, for you. And when I read that, I really realized how often we direct um, what success looks like in the directions of people we wish to please, um, or to make proud of us, or to you know show off for. Um, in the second part of your um, blog, you talk about the negative uh, effects of shame on success. And this is interesting. You you say many years ago, you discovered that shame, in your case, gay shame, was holding you back from accomplishing certain financial goals and limiting your career success. How so?
0: Well, I've written a number of articles about gay shame, and I've got a really interesting one coming out next week where I'm looking at the intersection between uh, beliefs about things like sex, love, and relationships and gay shame and how, you know, but, you know, shame or gay shame specifically for gay men is about having taken in all of the ideas in society that there's something wrong with me because I'm gay. I, you know, I should be considered a sinner if I'm, you know, in any way religious, or I'm just simply not part of society if I'm looking at like the male versus female. And that's the only two things that can come together. But what I realized is that having been in the closet for so long in adolescence and then in high school, like I I came out to my grade 13 uh, high school friends because yes, I'm that old. There was still a grade 13 when I went (laughs) to the summer of 1984 after graduating high school, I came out. Everybody was like, oh, we wish you had told us sooner. I'm like, oh my God, my grade 13 would have been so much easier. But you're so afraid that you hide away the best parts of who you are. And you, you're always looking around, like does somebody notice, did I do something too gay? Was I too femme? Um, And you're always second guessing yourself. And that sort of goes away after a while when you start, you know, in your twenties and your thirties. And then I just realized, why am I beating my head against the wall? Why am I not getting where I wanted to go? And every time I wanted to become a little bit more famous in the sense of famous, you know, like, I mean, more successful, more prevalent. I just yes, realized I would relevant. pull myself back or I would, I would just feel afraid of being more exposed. Even though I was out, I was writing articles for, you know, gayguytoronto.com. I was trying to, was trying to position myself as like a gay fitness coach and then like the, the, the gay men's personal development guy. But I kept feeling this nagging, I'm not good enough. I don't fit in. My opinions are not valuable. Because mm, just count to yourself. Enough. And it, wow. When I finally had that awareness, it was like, what an awakening.
1: And then what did you do?
0: So it was a slow process. I mean, sometimes an awareness like that is, is very freeing, but, um,
1: because the gay the gay part is just um, a um, an example everybody's got a gay part in them and i don't mean a homosexual part i but i mean we we have something about ourselves that we are ashamed of and so to the degree that you've told the story that you've just told us anyone listening can plug in their shame if it's not gay shame it's what what shame is it fat shame? Is it finance shame? Is it divorce shame? Is it um, bad parenting shame? Is it what what is the shame? So I'm interested to hear now. uh, And and in fact, let's take a break and come back. I want to hear when you um, return with us, Darren Steele, what you did to overcome that. You've got the Sean Proust Show, Melanie Durant.
0: You have a purpose and a reason. You were perfectly safe. The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Welcome
1: back. The Sean Prue Show underway here on SiriusXM XM Canada Talks, channel 167. You might have thought, thought I forgot where I was there. That's because I'm, I'm deep in thought uh, talking with Darren Steele right now about success and failure. And just before break, uh, he was talking about something I think we can all relate to. And you may not think so at first, but gay shame was holding him back from accomplishing certain financial goals and limiting his career success you may not be gay but we've all got a shame of some sort that holds us back and so I was deep in thought there as I was coming back from break about what my shames were that were holding me back Um, when you discovered Darren um, that these were the things that were holding you back you did what
0: I'll just mention quickly uh, shame in general is the the belief that you've you know, you've done almost something ethically, morally wrong, and you're probably taking on those beliefs from other people. Whereas guilt is just, you did something wrong. You didn't show up for a class that you said to somebody, you would show up. So there's a very different, like, emotional aspect to that. And I I make that distinction because I just delved more into the gay and the, the queer experience on a number of levels. I read Alan Downs's Uh, The Velvet Rage, Um, and I'm pretty sure Alan Downs is the person who came up with the term gay shame, Mm. and then I started writing more articles about it and just being vulnerable, because at least for me and the work I do as a a coach and someone who's a deep thinker and writing, it it seems almost like a, a paradox and a contradiction at the same time. Here I was realizing that as I was trying to be successful before this period, that as I was putting myself more out there, I was... Uh, having these sort of unconscious, you know, tugs at me. But then, when I became aware of it, when I had the clarity, when I was able to like shine the light on that darkness hidden deep away in a formidable closet, I was like, you know, I know we got to be PG, or I was like, f that. Um, right. right. I, the way for me to deal with it is to expose it, and for me to understand it and to grow through it. And I guess my personal evolution. Has been in my work as a coach is that I go through my own experiences. When I'm studying something new, I apply these practices to myself. And, good grief, I think I've written anywhere between eight and a dozen articles on on gay shame, or um, just to expose it, to lay it out there. And
1: interestingly and to own it, enough,
0: I've had more comments in general on those posts than than many others because it really gets to that in the soul plexus or right in the heart of many gay male experiences and even other people who can relate like you said to their experience of shame gay or otherwise
1: yes it doesn't have to be gay shame it could be any kind of shame really shame is shame um one of the things that we're doing right now with darren is talking about his three-part series on darrensteel.com about failure and success you say failure and success are not a duality Success is a measurement, uh, is a process of acting towards an intended outcome, but failure is a moment. Failure is not the process. Success is process. Failure is the moment. And that's huge.
0: Yeah, I, you know, a a duality is something really simple, like right or wrong, up or down, good or bad. And, you know, a, a duality cannot exist unless there are both sides. A binary is another way of expressing expressing that right. Gay, straight, male, female, binary duality, same word. But there's a middle ground because they they have they, one side cannot exist without the content or the idea of the other. So failure and success, for lack of a better word, are, are in the same neighborhood. They could be maybe complements in the sense of the ideas complement each other. They inform each other, but success as a binary or as a a duality would be success or no success. It's just success is a process. I mean, so uh, can you really describe it as a binary or a duality? I don't think so. Because success, think of successive steps, one step after another. We have to take action, a process, in order to get anywhere. If you set the goal that I'm going to walk... uh, two miles a day. Well, that's literally one foot in front of the other. That's the process to get to your two mile goal. And failure is just a stop. It's like, you could say I failed at my goal to walk two miles today because I only right. walked 750 meters. Right. Well, that's kind of harsh. Like maybe something else happened, but you could also say you had a partial success, right? Yes. So That I think is part of the emotional reframing or redefining of the... Idea.
1: Or the thought revolution. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I mean we could argue for days, about oh, it's no, it's really, it's opposite. But I think
1: it's... No, it's not. And it's, it's important that you made that um, clear because that, 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 that can be a game changer for anyone listening when they're thinking about success yeah. and failure. We've got just a few minutes left. I want to devote that uh, to your last blog post in the three-part series, How to Define, Refine, and Realign Your Failures as Successes.
0: How? It's complicated. <laughs> well, what I provided with both of these articles is, I have a cute little name, PEP, P-E-P Personal Evolution Process, where I, I go I use a model for some of these, uh, which is define, refine, align that I've learned from a coach, a study most of all, who, who looks at neuroscience and transformational coaching. But we, we have to first define, which is getting clarity. We need to shine the light on something to get focused, to get clear, to get clear about what we understand about the problem or the belief or our value in this moment, right? So, if you're thinking I failed at uh, my master's because I didn't complete it, well, I could look at it and say, define the entire situation, get clear on it. So I go through a series of questions, and some of them seem to repeat, but then you go a little deeper where you look at it from a different angle and you refine it. But what's most important is getting to the alignment. That's getting into the emotional understanding and attention, uh, sorry, intention. So that you, you line up with how do you wanna feel about this? And that's a very different process towards success. And you know, I would just say, I've written elsewhere very quickly, there's actually a four step process to success. You cannot put the goal before the action. You can't put the action before the practice. You can't put the practice before the process and your process will fail in quotation marks. If you're not in emotional alignment, you've got worksheets is the process, not you, the person.
1: Yes. Yes. And you've highlighted um, this beautifully, these segments that we've just had with you and go to darrensteel.com because he's got some worksheets that you can download or subscribe to have sent to you um, that help you go through this whole process of um, redefining what success is, understanding what failure is. Darren Steele, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much, Sean.